Do you shop on Amazon.com? Of course you do. You can now support the Midwest Podcast Network while doing so. Go to Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com and a very small percentage of your purchase will go towards making our network and its content even better. That's Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Bookmark it today. Welcome to the Midwest Filmmakers Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Nick. I'm Tim. Today we're going to talk about some listener feedback. We're going to do what we've been watching. And then finally we're going to do a full review of Travis Knight's Kubo and the Two Strings. But before we get to all that, we're at MFN Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. We're also on MidwestFilmers.com where you can find all previous 192 plus bonus episodes with full show notes. So you can skip over the spoiler and the things that you don't want to hear. Uh, and you can also go to our support store there and spend money on uh, on beer koozies and uh, and uh, t-shirts and hoodies if you would wish, or you can just donate to the network uh, in general. And we can use that money to make our show and network even better. Um, yeah, Midwest game nerds. No Man's Sky was last week. Deus Ex: Mankind Divided is this upcoming week. So check that out at midwestgamenerds.com or where podcasts are found. But if you wanted to be heard on this podcast you would write into feedback at midwestfilmers.com or you would talk to us on facebook as many of our listeners have including Stephen ching oh my gosh Stephen ching writes in to say just listen to the daredevil season two episode because i care about tim long i'll save him the trouble of carrying out this assignment i watched the first episode of ashton kutcher danny masterson sam elliott netflix show the ranch i think i'm not going to make sure that that's the right title just to see if it was as bad as it looked from the ads your instincts were correct. It's possibly the worst sitcom I've ever seen. Basic summary, fake-looking rustic sets where characters stand facing each other making a few cheap brainless jokes, each followed with a pause while the characters all smirk at each other <laughs> with satisfaction while they listen to the, the canned laughter. Next scene, repeat process. The, from the first minute, it's entirely unwatchable. At first, I couldn't believe that someone with an actual job in TV production signed off on this. But by the end, I figured it out. I think Netflix was afraid they were missing out on the people who think Larry the Cable Guy is a comedic genius demographic, so they threw this together cheaply as po- as cheaply as possible to wrangle a few extra subscribers. Basically, if you've seen every episode of Duck Dynasty and think it's unscripted, you might like this show. I'm kind of sold on it now. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen, you failed. Tim's in. Uh, thank you, Stephen, for writing in. Uh, any other thoughts on that? That's kind of refreshing to hear that Netflix has done something bad. I think, well, I think they've done like the. I think they've done things that aren't good, but people don't talk about them. <laughs> like the, uh, I've heard fairly middling to eh things about the uh, Crouching Tiger sequel that they did. Oh, they released that. Yeah, it's out. No, <laughs> you didn't know <laughs> no. because nobody's talked about ah. it because it's not very good. So I think I think there's stuff out there that Netflix is kind of. See Adam Sandler contract. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that'll help with the Larry the Cable guy. Exactly. Demographic. Yeah, that's it's all for the same it's that same demographic. Yeah. They're all in there. It's a very, if there's a Venn diagram there, it's very close to just being a single circle. Let's well, put it that way. His Steve's Steve's a buddy of mine, by the way. Yes, I yeah, know. Yep. And um but his first like his first sentence there, like 
describing what they do after their jokes. Like, that, like maybe really want to watch it. <laughs> I think I would start it and then immediately just be like, I can't do I this. See and what I need. Turn it off. Who's in it? Ashton Kutcher. It's Ashton Dance Kutcher, Dan- Danny Masterson, and Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott oh, is, is the father of that's those all right. two. That's all right. <laughs> Sam Elliott. As far as I understood from the trailer that I watched, Sam Elliott is the father of those two. Ashton Kutcher has moved back home after trying to be like a football Wait, superstar. I'm sorry. Sam Elliott is the father of those two? Of Ashton Kutcher and Danny <laughs> Masterson. Yeah. No, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, if that sounds good, check it out. The Ranch on Netflix. <laughs> there is a... What is the one movie? It's called Family Business. And Sean Connery, I think it's I think it's called Family Business. Sean Connery plays the father of Matthew Broderick. <laughs> That's pretty good. We should do a, a segment sometime on like worst worst like mashups. Familial like, mis- like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I read one once about like worst on screen couples and then the the number one was uh, Nick Nolte and Julia Roberts in uh, Prince of Tides. <laughs> That's pretty yeah. And it was so funny. Like, the <laughs> The breakdown of why they're so bad together was hysterical. Like you, you just look at them and you say, "Okay, no, like, there's no, there's no visual chemistry." Yeah. But uh, apparently, it runs much deeper than that, and it was really funny. I should try to dig it. Up. It was man, I read it a long time ago. Man, but who would, I should have dig it up. Nolte have visual chemistry with Tom Hardy, Tom Hardy, <laughs> Kathy Bates. Uh, Kathy Bates isn't bad. The, the uh, Kathy uh, Bates has chemistry with everything. Tyra's you know? mom in Friday Night Lights is the first person oh, that came to mind. <laughs> oh God, what is her name? I'll, she's I'll, in other stuff too. I'll look it up. Yeah. Oh, she's in Fletch. She's in the original Fletch. <laughs> I don't think. I, I just don't. Nolte's not. He no. no like, romance not. is not what he was made for. Right. He's so good though when he's good. Man, no, he's know. so good. And the only other thing I can think of right now that I've seen, like he. Um, the woman from Battlestar Galactica plays his wife, his ex-wife in Blue Chips. And I can kind of see that because she is his ex-wife in that movie. The one who plays the president in yeah, Independence Day? Yeah, uh, Rosalind. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And in Independence Day. God, what is her name? <clears throat> I can never remember. I really her. like her. Yeah, me too. too. Um, Not enough, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> we know all about Nolte's romantic matchups, though. Dana Wheeler Nicholson is the name of, okay. of Tyra's mom from Friday Night Lights, okay. and I think she would. Who's be. the president from Independence Day? Uh, Bill. Bill Pullman. or the president's wife? I'm sorry, the first oh. lady. <laughs> Nolte uh, and Bill Pullman. <laughs> they they might be really good opposite <laughs> each other. Oh, they might be really good. Is uh, that out on DVD yet? Independence Day? No, we I just came out last so. month, right? Okay. I mean, it's it, it, it's close. God, what is uh, her name? Mary McDonald. Yes. Mary McDonald. Okay. First Lady Marilyn Whitmore. She mm-hmm. plays the president in Battlestar Galactica, which is where I got. Yep. I got my president lines. Laura Roslin. Got my lines crossed. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you, Stephen. <laughs> yeah. A beautiful conversation was just had. <laughs> Uh, we got an email from you, uh, subject line, Pennywise. Uh, I've read your article about Pennywise and the upcoming It adaptation. Great stuff, Willie. It looks like that. Uh, it looks like that just the kid, just as the kids in the story, you couldn't face Pennywise just yet when you were a child. Uh, sorry, Willie's not here to hear this, but we'll make sure it gets passed on to him and hopefully he can, he can speak to it next time. I saw the It miniseries for the first time when I was 13 years old. I remember being scared by the child portion, but the special effects of the adult part of the series were a little bit wonky, and that's why it didn't, it didn't have a great effect on me. I haven't seen the miniseries since, but the story stuck in my head, and just like you, I'm ready to read the book. So I skipped the part where you wrote about what should and shouldn't be included in the movie, but when I finish the book, I will go back and read it. Before I start reading it, however, I have to finish that other great Stephen King book, The Stand. Uh, This is one of the great Stephen King books I haven't read before, and I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on it. 
I know you've read it, right? Oh yeah. Have you read it, Tim? No, I have stayed away from King's like big books, okay. like his like long books. Uh, where are you on the Dark Tower? I'm quick interlude through four, through book four. I you took f- a break to read the new Harry Potter, and then I'm good. Back that's in. a good place to break. Yep. That's the ideal place to break. Yep. Good. Good job. Uh, Nick, your your thoughts on the stand? I think we've talked about it a little bit. The stand is so hard to talk about quickly. Like yeah. it, but you can all you can say is like it's great. It's yeah. it's really good. It's really huge, obviously. But it's a I don't want to say it's a brisk read, but you'll keep going. Like you won't really want to let up. And it uh, it's not that every you, chapter ends on a cliffhanger or anything. But you, there there are plenty of places throughout it where you have a moment to kind of pause and put it down. But yeah, you'll just want to keep going because it's so interesting. It's such a cool idea. Can you give me a synopsis of the stand for for me and everyone else? That are Do you know there? anything about the stand? I know nothing about the stand. Uh, early on in the book, uh, like a, a virus wipes out most of humanity. Yeah, and the rest of the book is kind of about what happens thereafter. Okay, and it, it's much bigger than that, though. There's like really big characters. Uh, there's a really big villain who's kind of a. a Central main Stephen King villain. Uh, Is that Flag? Randall Flag. Randall Flag. Yeah. yeah, he's one of the best characters. There, there's tons of amazing characters throughout it, but it follows several main characters and the, as they cross paths and then and then diverge and then cross paths again. And uh, it's it's really, I mean, it's obviously really really long, but it's uh, it's really good. It's really really good. I it's always just, took it's the huge. stand to having to refer to like taking the stand in a courtroom. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought it was like a courtroom drama. <laughs> having no, having never read anything, not at all. <laughs> it's uh, it's really cool though because it, it deals with like the the people dying and then what happens after all these people die. I forget the percentage of people that it kills, but I think it's like ninety nine percent or something. It's something insane. Interesting. And it's uh, it's really scary. Like the way it's not a horror book per se, but the way it start the whole first bit about the actual super flu, uh, Captain Trips as it's called, is. Uh, really scary because it feels very real and very possible and so anytime you read anything in the news now about like you know any any big virus that people are afraid of or or something like that uh it always you're always the hair kind of stands up on the back of my neck i'm like oh god (laughs) because if you've read if you read the stand you know how just awful it all all is and and the fallout i've actually seen the stand miniseries also it's uh it's four, like it's four VHS one? tapes long. Yeah. yeah. If you measure things in VHS VHS <laughs> tapes. If you're of that age. How many laser discs? That'd be uh eight, right? Probably, well, probably. probably four. Probably well, it would be four also. Four yeah. double sided. Yeah. Double sided, yeah. yeah. What about Betamax? I, I don't know. Okay. I don't know how they before did my time. <laughs> uh the stand miniseries is really hilarious. I actually I've watched it with Gojo. It's Gojo's probably seen in his life like 200 movies maybe or something that's one of them and that's that's kind of funny <laughs> to me uh we yeah we watched that in high school and we still quote it actually to this day so that's good uh it's it's actually not bad as far well as far as stephen king adaptations go it's not bad uh but it's a tv movie and there are things about it that are that are good and gary sinise is in it yes he's and he's really good so is rob Lowe. And uh, and so is uh, Tom Noonan and many other people. I remember I started it and then I went, oh, man, I want to read this book. And then I never read the book. I, I think I'm going to read it after The Dark Tower once I finish the next couple. Yeah, that that's good. That's, yeah. that, you should definitely read it. I mean, definitely read it. It's yeah. very good. And uh, yeah, watch watch the miniseries sometime. I probably will. Yeah. Fun. I, when Affleck was being bandied around as potentially adapting and directing and probably starring in The Stand, I was all for it. I was yeah. like, that would be really awesome. But it's got to be at least two movies yeah i don't want to do like a hobbit to it but it's bigger it's way bigger than the hobbit but it's very 
just a lot going on, a lot of characters, and it would it would be better served as a series. Like, yeah, like if, if it if it was like Netflix is the stand, I would poo so just a little, <laughs> but like a good poo. <laughs> Stephen okay. King would probably love it too for yeah. for TV. Yeah, it would be uh, it would be really cool. It's awesome. a great it's a great series. You, I, I didn't did. I didn't understand from that email. Has Yoop read the stand? Or he said he hasn't. He's, he's reading he's, it. Uh, currently, re- he currently reading the stand. He wants to okay. read it, but he needs to finish reading the stand. Oh, that's great. So uh, we'll get Willie's thoughts on it next week, hopefully. Um, uh, but yeah, awesome. Uh, Yoop goes on to say, last but not least, I'd like to agree with the Gordon. Uh, I'd like to agree with Gordon that you guys have a talent for making bad movies sound great. I watched London Has Fallen with Robin after listening to your review, and we both enjoyed the movie because of your comments about all the neck stabbing. <laughs> Thanks for making mediocre movies great. Keep up the good work. You, uh, you're welcome. You. P.S. Do you know what you're going to do with your 200th episode yet? No. <laughs> Not sure how, yet. How far are we from that? What we are, we, are. What is today? One, two, three, four, five, six. We are six episodes away from releasing. It's going to be October. October 12th. Gotcha. Should be the two the two hundredth, so we'll figure something out. I w- we, there's I was thinking and potentially thinking about doing uh, another run of keyframes up to it, uh, and then there were other ideas where I was thinking about maybe putting a call out to you people who listen, and maybe talking with you guys on Skype for like ten minutes and That'd be really editing cool. that all together and have like a, a cool. Because the last the hundredth episode was about us and why we're, why we're doing what we're doing, and I was kind of thinking maybe two hundred should be about all you guys and why you are listening to us. So beautiful. If you think that's cool, let me know. Shoot me an email, and and maybe we can get on Skype and talk for a little bit. But uh, yeah, more on that forthcoming. Uh, so thank you, Yoop. And then finally, I got another. Uh, we're just gonna have a lot of feedback. Uh, there's a message here <laughs> all right <laughs> no that's great the welcome change of pace uh f- the message on facebook from lance a good friend of the show lance he said hey man i was listening to you guys recently and you were talking about the greatest living directors it reminded me of this article which talked about directors who had winning streaks of five or more great films uh and let me open this up yeah really i want to see this i so, missed that episode i think and that was i was bummed yes out. You, yeah, did. Yeah. you did yeah i listened to it and i was like who you got Shit, man! I didn't come prepared. <laughs> Greatest living directors. Yeah. Uh, shit. Think, uh, think about it. Yeah, I will. Yeah, think about well, it, Alex. I, I remember you guys had a really good conversation about it, where you talked about like what made what makes them great. What, yeah, what makes them great, and and uh, are they working? If they're there was some conversation about what what classifies as working, and it was really. Are they working? Are their movies still good? Mm-hmm. If their movies aren't still good, right? And you, and you did great? talk about that, yeah. Like if their last three or four, because somebody said Ridley Scott, and somebody else was like, "I'm not so sure about that." Yeah, and, and I would, I would say Ridley's up there for sure. Yeah. Um, so this list, uh, it's from bfi.org.uk. Um, it's got okay. So number one here, it's got 17 rare times when a director made five or more great films in a row. In a row. Uh, it's not in an ordered list in any way, but at the top here we've got Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, he's got five movies from 1997 to 2012, and those being Boogie Nights, Magnolia, Punch Drunk Love, There Will Be Blood, and The Master. So good, all of them. He was my, he was the first one that sprung to mind, yeah. besides Spielberg. Um, there's a lot. Did Spielberg have a five in a, like five? Well, That's well, what I'm thinking because every once in a while he'd throw in like an Always or a 19. 19- <laughs> 1941 yeah spielberg is not on this list as far as i can see yeah because he was on i don't know he would like have a string and then have like oh no 
There's a lot of there's a lot of people on here that I've never heard of, so we'll stop. Okay. And, uh, but there's a, there's a lot of information in this article, so I'll link to it on MidwestFilmage.com. Please go check it out if you are interested in looking into more. Who are the ones on there that you do know? Uh, so the ones that I do know, obviously Paul Thomas Anderson. We've got uh, John Carpenter. They say John Carpenter. Five films from 76 to 82 being Assault on Precinct 13, Halloween, The Fog, Escape from New York, and The Thing. What's their What's their cutoff then? Starman? Starman's pretty good. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Spielberg's mm. totally had five in a row. Has he? Multiple times. Okay. <laughs> uh, Charlie Chaplin, The Gold Rush, yeah. The Circus, City Lights, Modern Times, The Great Dictator. Uh, Stanley Kubrick they've got on here. Dr. Strangelove... 2001 uh, Clockwork Orange Barry Lyndon and the Shin- Shining Shining <laughs> The Shining <laughs> I've never heard of Barry Lyndon Really? Yeah I've never seen it but I know I'm aware of it uh, Hayao Miyazaki they've got on here because they've got Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind That's cool uh, Castle in the Sky My Neighbor Totoro Kiki's Delivery Service Porco Rosso Princess Mononoke and Spirited Away That's a pretty long streak Yeah and I feel like that's only missing like two movies of his Not really There's more <laughs> but uh, very cool. Um, and then, let's see. There, yeah, but there's a bunch here. Ones that I don't know. Stop me if you know these people. Michelangelo Antonioni. Okay. No? An Italian director. Yes. Is it <laughs> Antolini? Yeah, I think so. It's A-N-T-O-N-I-O-N-I. Hmm. Antonioni. With, he's done movies such as La Ventura, La Notte, Le Clis. La Red Ventura, Desert. he's the director of... I've seen La Ventura. I didn't know who the director was. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Hal Ashby? Oh, I, I, I know Hal Ashby. Harold and Maude, Last Detail, Shampoo, Bound for Glory, Coming Home, are the five that they Bound like. for Glory is the... Uh, oh, God. What's the singer's name that did... Um, ah! That's going to drive me nuts, but it's really good. It's uh, like a bio, Woody a bio Guth- pick. Woody Guthrie. Woody Guthrie, thank yeah. you. Um, so and uh, uh, Carradine plays him. Okay, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> Which Carradine? Uh, um, David. 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 Yep. yep. Uh, Marcel Carnet. No. French guy. Uh, Shohei Imamura. Done a bunch of Japanese movies. Japanese guy. <laughs> uh, Elia Kazan. On yeah. the Waterfront. Yeah. East yep. of Eden. Baby Doll. I don't know that name, but I know a few of these movies. Uh, Face in the Crowd, Wild River, and Splendor in the Grass. Uh, Kim Longionoto. Mm-hmm. Nope. Uh, Alexander Mackendrick. Did the original Lady Killers in 1955? Hmm. Powell and Pressburger. Just some old time. Yeah, the Coens are. They're, they're going names. back. No, Coens are not on there. Nicholas Rogue. Excellent. Yep, he did Manifeld Earth. And yep, that's uh, right in the middle. He did. Uh, no, wait, that's same of the movie. It starts with W. Walkabout. Walkabout. Yep. Yeah, performance. Walkabout. Don't look now. The man who fell. Oh Earth. shit! Performance is is really awesome. Bad timing in Eureka. Uh, Preston Sturges. Oh, Preston Sturges. Preston. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Andre Tartovsky. The Russian film. Who, yeah, who I, Solaris. I recognize his name, but I know nothing about him. Solaris, Mira, Stalker. He did the, yeah, the Stalker, the Chernobyl one. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, that's a very cool article. Thank you, Lance, for sending it in. That I is will cool. definitely, uh, uh, send that along on MidwestFilmers.com. He also said, uh, also, I saw Don't Think Twice as well. Uh, it was pretty good. Gillian, Gillian Jacobs was great in it. I'll talk about that a little bit more and what we've been watching. But, Nick, what have you been watching? You know, I don't think I've seen anything since we last. No. Nothing Nothing new. Do you want to be the one to talk about aliens? Do you want to save that for another day? Oh, I'd love maybe? to talk about aliens. Uh, 
I'm looking at the Spielberg list now, though, and I realize these five in a row are probably a little subjective, so I can see why the list might... What are they? Well, uh, of his two, there's six in a row that I like all of. Uh-huh. Uh, AI. Well, that's the thing. Is, yeah, I like them. Okay. AI is not always loved. Catch yeah. me if you can. I think it's irrefutable that that movie's awesome. Yeah. Minority Report, also awesome. Terminal. I like the Terminal a lot. A lot of people don't for some reason, but I don't know why. Munich, awesome. War of the Worlds, I think, is really, really cool. I love that. That first, like, three quarter up until the Tim Robbins parts of World of the Worlds, I'm like, this is, About like, the, the best half. stuff he has Dude, ever done. Dude, it's insane. <laughs> it's insane. Did you see it in the theaters? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was so good. The opening attack uh. is just insane. Uh, and then there's another five. I don't love Hook, but I think it's kind of, it's pretty beloved by a lot of people. Then you had Schindler's List. There's a lot of people who really don't like Hook. No. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't like it very much. I think it's a little boring, but that's okay. Uh, Schindler's List, then Jurassic Park, then Amistad. There's a bit of a misstep with Lost World, but I still think Lost World's entertaining. And then you've got Saving Private Ryan. Okay, so that's a, that's a hell of a streak. Here's yeah. what I would because I'm back. I've got Raiders, E.T. Yep. Temple of Doom, Color Purple, and Empire of the Sun. Mm-hmm. And then Last Crusade. And then Last Crusade. Yeah. And then I if you want, to, but then there is the Twilight Zone movie segment he did. Yeah, but that, that, I don't count that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So maybe if I actually read this full article, I would understand a little bit more where their criteria kind of. Yeah, it depends on and that, and okay. So they have bolded here in the in the head. They said, as you'll see, it's a highly subjective exercise. One person's five star film is not necessarily another's, which is you know exactly what we're saying. Uh, it's not an exhaustive list. Nobody, for example, picked Jean Luc Godard, who'd rather like Bob Dylan and his contemporaries run as LPs. Seem to conduct the tenor of the '60s via a string of um, fifteen unassailable films between About de Soufflé in 1960 and Weekend in 1967. So interesting, but yeah, go check out that article on our on our website if you wish. Nick, aliens. Yeah, are, are we all going to talk about aliens? Well, yeah, we, we should all talk, talk about, about aliens. Okay, we saw aliens. Yes, on a very giant screen. On a, on a giant, the giant screen. Yes. Uh, at Henry Ford, America's greatest history attraction. Yes, Gojo's not here to say, so I need to do it. <laughs> uh, so Gojo's been doing this thing where he's been running classic movies, classic in quotes depending on how you feel about all the movies he's shown uh, on the giant screen, which is the equivalent of an IMAX essentially. Yeah. And uh, he showed aliens and I've seen aliens quite a few times and I've seen both the theatrical and the director's cut. I like the director's cut a little bit better just because it's more and more aliens isn't bad. Uh, the theatrical cut though is really good. And it, uh, you know, seeing a movie like that in the theater is such a cool opportunity because it's a movie that benefits from the theater, and even as good as it is on home video, it like really even just kind of comes alive even more in the theater, which is really cool. Uh, we were fortunate enough to have people in our screening who had never seen Aliens before. Yeah, that was wonderful. And that's part of the magic of going <laughs> to the movies is watching... It's like taking a movie you love and watching it with somebody for the first time, yep. and how you're really only watching the movie like three quarters of the time, and you're kind of just glancing out the side of your eye like, oh, here comes this part. Wow, <laughs> so cool. Uh, yeah, it was really, really awesome. They had several key moments. The audience would react in, in a big way, and it was, mm-hmm. it was really great. It's uh, such such a well-made movie and a well-written movie. It's a little just daunting, even as a moviegoer, because you know it's going to be so hard to stack up against something like that. I mean, it's just so good. Mm-hmm. And to take a movie where the first entry into the series that almost kind of launched a genre as well as a career, and then take the sequel and not only make it 
as good, but it might be better depending on your tastes. And then furthering the series even more and kind of catapulting it into this big franchise that we're aware of, even though the rest haven't really been good. We still They're like definitely not up to people love yeah. the alien franchise and really there's only two good ones, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny, <laughs> but it was just, uh, just tremendous on every level, the way it's shot, the acting, the music, the effects, the design, the pacing, everything is just so good. And the movie goes on way longer than it should. And it works somehow. We'd see a movie like that today and go, Oh, there's more, there's more endings. It just, the movie has several places where it could stop and end. And instead, it just pushes a little further, and it's mm-hmm. just so fun. You, you, you've, you're spent by, by the Which time is, when it could end. You're like emotionally spent. You're like, oh, my God, safety. We've reached safety. And then it goes a little further, and got, you go, oh, my God. Like if, if you were to say that Aliens has three endings, it's taking the two endings that Alien had and adding another one to it, yeah. too. So it's kind of adding on that way as well. No, it's just phenomenal. And it's... Uh, Cameron, just when I start, I, I never discredit James Cameron. I'm, I'm never like, oh, James Cameron sucks. Like, even if you don't love his his work from like the mid to late '90s on, there's no denying that the guy is a he's a master. He's mm-hmm. so good, and when he's good, when he's good, he's there's nobody better. And it, uh, it was just such a cool experience. I'd love sometime because we after the movie, and I kind of forgot where everybody stands. What we were kind of talking about: who has seen Alien ever, or maybe only once, or if it's been years. And kind of the same with Aliens. We were kind of talking. I think it'd be really fun to do an episode where we where we watch Alien and Aliens maybe again back to back and just kind of talk about them. And it's funny. When you suggested that, I was like, we did that already. And then I was like, yeah, it was when Prometheus came out. And I was like, oh, we weren't doing this when Prometheus came out. <laughs> well, it feels like we've we've talked in the past about uh, Alien, Aliens, Terminator, Terminator 2, uh, Wayne's World, Wayne's World 2. Like We kind of did that once where we talked about sequels and how they stack against the original like I, I know we've kind of talked about it several times but we've never had like a full-blown episode dedicated to just like so we did do we did idea. uh it was point counterpoint is kind of what willie's segment was we did alien versus aliens on episode 31 where we talked about the kings of summer which i don't think you were on i was not but i still think that would be that would be pretty good i remember going back and before prometheus i had not seen any of the alien movies so mm-hmm. we sat down and watched at least the two that mattered. I eventually watched the other two, I think, later on down the road. Um, but was that the last time you saw Alien and Aliens was when we did that? That was the last time I had seen Aliens. Okay. And it was the only time I had seen Aliens. Was that the director's cut? It was the director's Probably. cut. So seeing the theatrical cut in theaters this time around, I thought was great. Uh, and I like I liked how breezy it felt to me. Uh, not that I think, I don't know if I re- originally felt that it was long in the tooth at all or not. Probably not. I don't think so, but it would, I would have to watch the theatrical or the director's cut again. But no, I thought, I thought that that was pretty great, but I still, uh, I still kind of firmly stand in the, I, I really, really, really love alien. And I think aliens is also very great. Uh, and, and it is for a lot of reasons that being able to take that, seed of an idea that as you said basically started an, another genre of science fiction horror suspense kind of mm-hmm. thing together and, and kind of escalating it in all the right ways while still making it feel like a worthwhile new story experience is such an amazing feat uh but but i still I, to me i'm still just kind of like alien is is to me a master class in making 
a new type of movie that nobody had ever made before at that point. And it's kind of just, I don't know. I much prefer the, um, the look of Ridley Scott, like Ridley Scott's world is so very, uh, tangible. It's something you can, not tangible, but something you can see on screen. It's like when we talked about how, uh, uh, Ripley chases Newt into her little lair. Mm-hmm. I told Willie, I was like, "Yeah, that's the that's the Ridley Scott room because there's a fan with a light on above it, and that to me <laughs> encompasses almost all of Alien because Alien is nothing but fans with lights above them, and then there's also smoke and some rain too. And I like that when I like those four key words like activate me into being a Ridley Scott fan somehow. It's <laughs> that's just kind of like. So that movie embodies that for me, and Aliens is also just like a really awesome kind of taut story, but um, but they're both fantastic. Tim, what did, what did you think about seeing Aliens? It had been, I don't think it's been 10 years since I've seen, God, it made me feel so old when I thought about that, because <laughs> I realized like it has been 10 years since I've seen Alien as well, um, and I need to go back and rewatch it, because in my head, yeah, I've always been an alien guy. Yeah. And I was like, alien, I, I like it better. I think it's a better movie. And then I watched this and I was like, oh, maybe Ooh. it's not. Because <laughs> this is pretty damn perfect. Like, it really is. And the thing that struck me is how well and quickly it establish, establishes its characters. Yeah. I mean, it's like you get like seconds with these people and you're like, oh, I know them. You get them. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you yep. get them. And, um, and there's that, so many of them. There's so many. And, yeah. <laughs> All of them, I mean, there are quite a few of them that have like little mini arcs. Even Bill Paxton has a mini arc. Yeah. yeah. Like, and I forgot how much I like Vasquez. Yeah. Um, I think Vasquez is underrated. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, it was just, it was so cool. Yeah. And just um, watching it get on the big screen and uh, I, I just really appreciated it this time. Um, it's, boy, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what else to say. Awesome. It really is a different experience on the big screen mm-hmm. with, like totally. a, with like a big badass sound system. And there was a dude next to me quoting every line. Yeah. <laughs> Heard him from it across the row. Bothered me at first. And then I kind of went, well, he's having fun. I mean, I, I don't want to. Yeah. It's clearly something he loves. It's something he loves yeah. that he does. But it was funny to me, though, because he was quoting stuff that did it. Like one time I heard that he goes affirmative. And then the guy, like a second later, goes affirmative. <laughs> <laughs> like, but it was not necessary, sir. <laughs> We get it. You know the movie really well. <laughs> uh, my buddy Joe, um, one time I, he, he, he knows every single line from the burbs. <laughs> and he will sit out, when I used to live with him, he, I, he would sit out in the living room by himself and quote the movie to himself as he was like doing other things. <laughs> the burbs. And that's kind of what it reminded me of. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. All right. Nick, did you watch anything else? No. Don't think so. All right. Tim. Okay. Take what us on a journey. Take you on a journey? Yeah. Um, Shutter, the app that I've, t- or, well, the website. That you and Willie have. We have discussed. talked about, yeah. Um, horror films on demand. AMC, owned by AMC, horror films on demand. Really cool horror films on demand for like five bucks a month. You could pay 50 bucks and get it for a year, mm-hmm. which is what I did. Um, they are releasing the um, Ring um grudge crossover movie in america whoa yeah um sadako versus keiko and so what they've done i have seen the japanese the first japanese ring and the first japanese grudge i watched kind of on cable Mm -hmm. like once before 
but they put um like five or six of the grudge movies up and i went oh that's cool and so i i said it's been a while since i saw the first one i want to watch the first one so i watched the first one the first one it's so weird i don't think it's very it it's tough for me because it's it's not a narrative it's kind of it it's a series of kind of like vignettes around the curse of this house yeah and they all tie together but it's it's not linear in the way it's told and that can be tough to follow anyway and then add on the fact that it's subtitled for me and it it was kind of tough for me i'm I'm kind of adult on top of it (laughs) so um so but it's also i don't think it would be any better um i don't think it would be any easier to follow um, if it were in my native tongue, uh, because it's just, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't flow together real well, but you could tell it's the director had just like all these cool ideas for shots of yeah. like creepy things and they are pretty creepy. And there's that one, it's pretty iconic now. And I, cause I think they put it in the remake. He did the remake as well. The director, um, the Sarah Michelle Garrett one of her in the shower and the, and the, uh, knuckles like crawl out of her head. Yeah. And it's really great. And it's really great in this one too. And there is some great stuff. There's some like crab walking by by one of the ghosts. It's so it's it's great anyway, despite the fact <laughs> that it makes no sense. Um but I didn't realize there were um I guess I just kinda there are two movies that Shudder put out. Um they're putting out in America for the first time and they were made to made for T V movies in Japan that were kind of leading up to the grudge um the first grudge and they were they were released only in germany japan and like scandinavia <laughs> and um the big market yeah under juan the curse and they were just kind of short so i want to really like i want to dig into those yeah um because that sounds really neat um the I, yeah i'm just looking at the franchise um you should go on the Wikipedia page if you haven't, or if you're maybe you're familiar with these movies. I am not past the uh, first one in the remake, and maybe The Grudge too. I have seen that. You should probably force Nikki and Willie to watch. Them. I think so. And I then think so. We can do a fight the franchise. I can't believe there's that many grudges. <laughs> yeah, there are. Yeah, I think there are six, and then this new Sadako versus Keiko, which I'm I'm really stoked for. Like yeah. I'm really excited. Well, that's the, the, the I'm just thinking here. I'm like maybe this is the first time that there's been like a fre- like this is the Freddy versus Jason of Japan. Yeah, which is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was so funny. Like, oh, got it. Like it's reached the point where I'm having like J horror nostalgia. <laughs> and like I'm like I like I was watching this and I'm like oh my god I remember where I was in like 2000. <laughs> oh man, and it was it was kind of fun. Um, yeah. I do want to like make quick mention of the marketing tour for this crossover movie because yeah. it's amazing. <laughs> they have uh, the both of the uh, ghosts from the two movies, uh, and they they had them come out one time and throw out the first pitch at a baseball game <laughs> in like full <laughs> full ghost makeup, and it, it's on YouTube and it's hysterical. It's so good, beautiful. Yeah. So, um, do you know what team than... it was for? Just the. Uh, probably the one that have you ever seen that Tom Selleck baseball movie? No, over it's called Mister Baseball. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He goes and plays in Japan. <laughs> goes in, it's yeah. probably that team. Is it uh, the Hanshin Tigers. The Hanshin Tigers. Oh, you know Japanese baseball teams. I know, I, I know that one. And okay, then there's the drag. I forget who the dragons are. Oh, and the other thing I want to mention, yeah, real quick is um, if you if you're on Wikipedia and you go on the uh, go on the page on your phone, they're one of the uh, shorts. The V Cinema shorts, the TV shorts, is called. It's just four tens. The title is just, or no, I'm sorry, ten, ten, ten fours. Four. <laughs> it's just fours, 
And then if you click on it, like the hyperlink there, it brings up a phone, to, number. To, to phone number to call. Did you call it? <laughs> I'm doing it right now. Good. It just says "Welcome to Verizon." Uh, well, it was my, it was my cell phone that's provider. So, <laughs> what did you think of the Grudge remake, the American one? It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, um, I thought so too. Yeah, it's okay. It had some decent. I yeah, saw it, it had in the some theaters. moments. It was PG. It was PG thirteen horror, but like it's it kind of creepy. I, I mean, it had a few moments. I remember mm-hmm. being surprised. It was. It felt like one of those things where it's like, oh, the ring did well. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and you know, the ring is is really good. Um, I like the ring. Yeah, the and Grudge they, just kind of felt like okay, and they got the same director for the that did the original yeah. for the Grudge. So I mean, that was kind of nice. I, I thought it was good. I mean, I yeah, uh, uh, I don't remember part two. <laughs> part two has Amber Tamblin in it. Yeah, I don't. And remember And then that they at made all. a three that I remember at the video store. <laughs> Beautiful. The Ring is one of the movies. One of the two hundred movies Gojo has seen. Yeah, I think we've spoken about the stories yeah. of of Gojo. He was so Ring. obsessed with it, with how scared he was by it. He bought it the day it came out on DVD, and I think he left it at my house. He was like, <laughs> I will leave it here. <laughs> Please hold this for It's me. like his icon for the Slender game. Yeah. It's in the bottom right corner of his desktop, yeah. away from all the other games. <laughs> yeah, he had a fascination with the ring. It was really funny. Like, he hated it, and but loved it. Yeah. I remember Ring 2 had, like, really fake CGI deer. I saw the Ring 2. Yeah. I don't remember hardly any. I saw it as well, and I, I do not I remember. Don't remember I couldn't tell you much. I remember a bathroom scene. There's like, <laughs> bathroom and deer. Yeah. Is Naomi, Naomi Watts in part two? Yeah, she I is, think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Martin Henderson is not. <laughs> he doesn't make it to the sequel. <laughs> Star of Torque. Yeah, what did he do? And Smoke and Aces. The Joseph Kahn film, Torque? Torque, yes. Yeah, yes. He's the lead in Torque. He is. Yeah. Head Torker. <laughs> Chief of Torque. There's one part in Torque. I think it's Martin Henderson and Ice Cube. And they circle each other on their bikes. Yeah. And one of them goes to one end, and one of them goes to the other end. And behind them... Are giant billboards, and what is Pepsi, and what is Mountain Dew, <laughs> <laughs> and they like gro- like they growl at each other for a little bit, and then they rev their engines up, pop wheelies, and the whole time he just keeps cutting back and forth between Pepsi and Mountain Dew, and then they clash. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what man. happens when they collide? What, what they delicious start, soda does it make? I think, if I recall correctly, they do start doing some like bike foo, is what it's called. So like they start hitting each other with the fronts of their bikes while popping wheelies. Oh man! Have you guys never seen Torque? No, I have not. It's only eight minutes long. The 80, only... Eight minutes long. Eighty minutes. <laughs> long it has i totally believed you for a second adam scott is in it and his hair is up to like here (laughs) you can't see it's like three feet above my head (laughs) and it's really really good this sounds wonderful yeah from the man who brought us power ranger power yeah power Power slash slash ranger Ranger. power slash ranger excuse me yeah wow i like joseph khan but he he digs his own hole sometimes from what i can tell yeah Yeah. (laughs) he's kind of he sees like kind of a dick in a yeah. lot of ways. Like, yep. he seems like he could be kind of hard to work with. I like that about him. But <laughs> but I also, like, when he starts bitching about movies of his that aren't going to get made, I'm like, well, I can, I kind of see it. <laughs> <laughs> you did make Torque, too, which I love. But come on, buddy. Yeah. All right. Uh, so I went to the local art house theater, the main art, and saw a film called Don't Think Twice, which is directed by Mike Birbiglia. Uh, mostly known as a comedian, but also the director of Sleepwalk With Me, which came out, I think, uh, three years ago or so, something like that. Uh, let me look that up. But uh, yeah, it's a movie basically about uh, a, a an improv comedy troupe, and their one of their members gets kind of uh, gets gets hired by the Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live of that universe. 
mm-hmm. and uh, and it's about the other members in the group kind of dealing with that success and how they how that affects their lives and and their self worth and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's a really cool, interesting movie. Um, it definitely kind of gets the uh, it, it, the funny the thing that I kept thinking about when I was watching this movie. I was like, I wonder how Armand White feels about this movie. Yeah, because I feel like this actually gets the human condition, unlike Transformers four and three and two. Um, <laughs> so I, you know, it, it's just it feels like very human, realistic people. Like these are the this, uh, part of the time I'm like, man, is this how comedy people really are? And then like as I've listened to all these different comedy podcasts, I'm like, yeah, I know this is how these comedies comedy people act and and are. So I'd be very interested in hearing somebody who's been in the improv scene, kind of what they think about it and if they feel as though it's cartoonish at all in that kind of respect. But I guess it would I would need to talk to somebody that's in like the California improv scene, you know. Um, so. I think it's very cool. If you can go see it, uh, go check it out. Sleepwalk With Me was one of my favorite movies of the year. When that came out, uh, this could very well appear on the top ten considering the summer that we've been having. And uh, go check it out. It's pretty sweet. Stand-up comedy is a is a really interesting world. Yeah. We've talked about Comedian on here once or twice, right? The documentary. I think, yeah, I think you brought it up a couple of times. You ever seen that? The too? Seinfeld one? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it, yeah. It's really good. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Comedians are an interesting group of people. Interesting yes. lifestyle. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's a lot of work. It's a ton of work. It's a lot of work and a lot of failure. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of like, not even failure, just rejection. Yeah. Like outright rejection. Yeah. And yeah, that's tough. Yeah. You need to be cut from a certain cloth to make it in that world. And it's funny because even in Comedian, one of the characters is mildly successful and he's funny. He just has a hard time dealing with setbacks and like failure and rejection, like we're saying. And it's, Interesting, because Seinfeld is the counterpoint, and he's like, "Just gotta hang in there, man. Just gotta keep on keeping on." And the guy's kind of like, "Yeah, easy for you to say, you're Jerry Seinfeld." <laughs> well, that's that's one of the things that they kind of touch on in this movie of like, like some of the characters are thinking like, "There's a lot of circumstances surrounding their their comedy trip," and they're just kind of like, one of them says, "Is this life telling us that we should be done now?" And kind of just pondering that question like is it the people that fight past that are they the ones that go on to fame or even if they do fight past that is that ever going to mean yeah it's like anything it's like being in being an actor or working in in film in any any regard or a musician you know those people that just because you hang in there and you're you know if you want to be in a band yeah even if you do hang in there you might be 45 years old and playing the local bar and if that yeah yeah, it's it's scary yeah Absolutely. Sounds, so, sounds cool. Sounds like a cool movie. It's pretty sweet. I would recommend it to everybody. Uh, but yeah, that's what I've been watching. I think that's all we got in terms of all the other topics this episode. So let's get straight to our review of Travis Knight's Kubo and the Two Strings. Uh, this movie stars Charlize Theron, Art Parkinson, Ray Fiennes, George Takei, Carrie Tagawa, Rooney Mara, Matthew McConaughey, and many other people. The IMDb synopsis says, A young boy named Kubo must locate a magical suit of armor worn by his late father in order to defeat a vengeful form of a vengeful spirit from the past. So, uh, this movie is uh, made by Laika, which has made other films in the past, such as Coraline and Box Trolls um, and Paranorman. Uh, and they're particularly... One of the things that I like about them most is that they're still doing stop-motion animation. 
Um, so we can talk about that a bit. Have you have either of you guys seen any other Leica mo- movies? Coraline and Paranorman. Yeah, those None. are the two that I've seen too. But no, uh, yeah. do you like them? Uh, liked Paranorman, loved Coraline. Yeah, Coraline's great. Yeah, I can agree with that statement wholeheartedly. Um, so yeah, uh, Kubo and the Two Strings, uh, and there's a little bit of a Japanese or Asian influence here as well. Not a little bit, but a lot of it. Uh, <laughs> so you know, I like that and. People probably know that by now. But, uh, Nick, what did you think of Kubo and the Two Strings? Uh, I'm still formulating. Yeah. I like. I, I liked it. Yeah. I definitely liked it. Uh, it... Tim should talk about it first. Tim. Okay. What did you think of Kubo <laughs> and the Two Strings? I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Um... And I always kind of, a couple weeks ago, I was like, uh, these are the episodes of the podcast I don't like because I'm just going to be negative all the time. <laughs> and, and like, this is like, like when I, after I got done with this, I'm like, man, this is why I like doing the podcast so much is because I would, it's not that I wasn't interested in this movie. It's that. But you just wouldn't, it's not something that you would typically. It's not know. something I'd seek out. Yeah. And then what would happen is it would come out and it would, it would do about as well as it's doing at theaters right now. Yeah. And I would forget that it, it existed. Until like they release another movie, and I go, oh, I like those guys, yeah. and, and then I would say, oh, I never saw it, but I saw it, and I'm really happy I did. Good. Um, it's a, it, I don't want to belabor the point on the summer, but it's been such a rough summer. It has, and every summer is like this. This one has been really rough, it seems though, and it's just with so many sequels and prequels and reboots and. Requels. How about that Ben Hur reboot, everybody? Oh man, we should oh, have that. talked about that. Oh, <laughs> next week, next That's week out, we have to talk about it. it. Okay, yeah, eleven million, eleven million, eleven million on a movie that cost at least a hundred million to make. Jeez, why would they? <laughs> you know, a hundred million to get them big name people like Joseph Fiennes. Yeah, Jack Houston. Ja- oh, excuse me, yeah, Jack Houston. Not Joseph Fiennes. Jack Houston. Is Joseph Fiennes in it as well? I don't oh, so. well, nope. I mean, I thought maybe he was. <laughs> Morgan Freeman's in it, but yeah, Morgan know. Freeman and Jack Houston. And Jack Houston is so not a name that I haven't seen him in any posters for Ben Hur. I've only seen ads with Morgan Freeman. Insane. Anyway. Another topic for another <laughs> Yeah, let's let's please talk about that next week. Okay. Uh, I really want to. Yep. Okay. Um, so it was nice to see something that was an original story like this. Yeah. Um, and it is an original story. Parts of it are incredibly. Yeah. Uh, very refreshing. Um, this feels like a movie that like college kids like who get stoned. Yeah. Will really like. <laughs> Because um, I kind of thought that. Like, <laughs> I'm like, man, I wish I was stoned right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, and that's, I think, and I, that's a compliment, that, by the that's way. That's a compliment, but it's all, I feel like I would feel the same, I feel the same way about Coraline and right. Paranormal. Like, the the visual stylings of these Leica movies is, is very, it's, I, w- I want to call it surreal, but I think that's the wrong kind of word that I'm looking for. It's just right. a, it's, there is intricate and it's, I like this kind of animation. I always have because there's like, there's kind of a creepiness to it yeah. too. Um, just the way the, 
the characters' mouths don't match all the time, uh-huh. and then the way that how unnatural they look and how unnatural they move, it is kind of. But it's still kind of like a weird personification of real life, right? Right. Yeah. Movies. I think of movies like this. I think of the Burton ones. Um, Corpse Bride. Corpse Bride. Um, Nightmare. Yeah. And um, well, was Burton uh, James and the Giant Peach? That was Henry Selleck. Henry too. Selleck. But yeah. Henry Selleck did Nightmare Before Christmas. Also. That's yeah. yep. And so I think of movies like that when I think of this, and like I forget. Oh man, I like these movies. Yeah. And these are the movie. I know it didn't make much money, but then I re- then I realized that Leica is like kind of owned by Phil Knight, who is the owner of Nike. So I'm like, oh, they'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I won't weep for them too much. But I would like to see them keep making movies. But this budget was pretty. Slow. Their budgets are usually around like sixty million anyway. So yeah, it's they're like modest bombs. Um, <laughs> so, so but like this is a movie. It's very. Um, it goes some pretty dark places. I think for a kids' movie, um, mm-hmm. it's very melancholy in a way. The, the tone of it throughout. Yeah. Um, but this. So it's not necessarily. It's not a movie for younger kids, um, but like I could see myself when I was a teenager being like, "Oh, this is pretty cool." Yeah, yeah, like this is cool, um, or maybe even a little younger than a teenager, like a preteen, as they call them. <laughs> um, it deals with a uh, yeah, a lot of darker themes like loss and um, Kubo. Kubo, the character himself, is tough because I like him. He's very endearing. He's very empathetic. But he's almost too perfect in a lot of ways. Like, there's no real flaws in him. But in a movie, like a kid's movie like that, it's I think it's kind of necessary when you're dealing with themes like it is yeah. to have someone to latch on to who is a little bit lighter character. Um, I think it helps balances it, uh, balance the movie a little. Um, it also balances it with humor throughout. Not all of it worked for me. Um, there are parts where it was one of those, <laughs> every once in a while... It's like one of those jokes where someone makes a joke in a movie. I'm like, was that a joke? Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's not really funny. McConaughey, the McConaughey Beatles stuff all worked for me, though, yeah. for the most part. Um, but the, the monkey stuff, the monkey, the back and forth between Kubo and the monkey before McConaughey got there was really hit or miss for me. Okay. And, um, pretty, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah um, but the, the attention to detail, too, with the, I think we talked about it a little there. The thing that I think of, is there are parts of the plot I missed because I was looking in the background that yeah. the one, the leaf ship. Oh, yeah. I just kept staring at it in the background. Like, this is the coolest thing I've Not ever seen. Not only the leaf life. ship, but also the water around it and, like, just the whole, everything is so intricate in these movies that mm-hmm. it's like there's never a dull spot to look at, basically. It, yeah. The and thing. then any, well, from that leaf ship when they go down in the eyes, yep. like the sea full that of eyes. So oh, cool. Yeah, that was so cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I wish it hit the mark at the ending a little better. Yeah. Um, I thought it, I thought maybe the ending was a bit too reserved for my taste. It kind of felt like, but I get why it was. It kind of felt like it was building to something a little more kind of like in your face. And like, yeah. Yeah. Go get him Kubo. But it didn't. And it went a different route. And I think it's, I mean, I know it's on purpose and I see what they're going for. I just don't think it worked as well for me. As they they wanted it to work, um, that and yeah, this yeah spoilers. So um, overall, I really really liked it though. Um, definitely. What was the other animated movie that I saw this year? Finding Dory. Mm-hmm. Did you? I like this better than that. Um, Utopia. 
Zootopia was pretty good. Yeah. Zootopia was pretty good. I think I like this better than that. Pets movie? I didn't see the Secret Pets Life movie. Secret Life of Pets. I think this is better than Secret Life of Pets for sure. Okay. I don't know. Finding Pixar is still really... I, I don't want to call it apples and oranges because it really isn't. But it's kind of... Um, I don't know. Pixar just really feels like the the popcorn. This is for everybody. Whereas I think like films right. are kind of just... They're as close as you would get to like indie animation kind of. I will say I will say all three of those that I named are good. Yeah. 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 Um, but this and Zootopia I thought were better than Finding Dory. Yeah, uh, that's fair. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Definitely worth a watch um, no matter when or where you see it. But try to remember it exists. Yeah. Yeah. Nick, do you want to touch on anything before I? Sure. Yeah, Tim articulated a lot of what I was thinking, I guess. I just hadn't really formed it into English yet. And uh, it, I think a lot of what I I didn't really like, I think we'll have to save probably for spoilers. Okay. I think it went a route that it didn't really need to go with the story. Uh, And a lot of that ties into kind of the ending. And I I also agree I have some dissatisfaction with how it landed uh, because it's a really... Like you said, it's almost an animated indie movie. It's almost like an animated art movie at times. Yeah. Like it's really, it's so abstract early on, especially that I was pretty engaged in it just because I wanted to know what it meant, what things meant and where things were going. And it doesn't really ease you into the idea of some of the things Kubo can do. It just kind of presents it to you and you have to accept it, Yeah, which is really cool. I think uh, I like that this is a movie. Well, there. first of all, there was a, there were a decent amount of people in my uh, showing which was weird for a monday night at 8 p.m there was a little kid there and she was sitting just down the row from me and she was probably i didn't notice her at first my girlfriend like nudged me and then pointed and it was a little girl she was probably like five hmm. she was very little and <laughs> my girlfriend leaned over and she's like it is past her bedtime <laughs> and i was like yeah, probably. Like she was small, but she was on the edge of her seat for most of it. Like literally. I mean, she was scooched all the way forward and just was like really into it. Yeah. And occasionally she would like turn and like shout something to her dad about like something she thought. <laughs> and she got a little bored at, from time to time, but at the same parts I got bored, so I related. And that was but overall like it, it kept her pretty engaged. And I thought that was really interesting because I was like, I don't know if I'd be that into this movie when I was really little, but I guess she was a girl too, which I thought was interesting. I guess as a little boy, you might be a little more caught up in like this little warrior boy who's got these powers and who yeah. who can just just do warrior it on that <laughs> on that guitar, which is pretty great. I was really into when he was playing. Kubo I, was, shreds. I was listening. I was like, dude, if you trans translated this into a, like a distorted guitar, it would sound so sweet. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, Kubo does shred, but I it just goes it goes into weird places that I didn't expect it to and didn't think it really needed to. But a lot of the the main themes of what it's about, I think, are really cool. And like Tim said, it's very refreshing. And this is the kind of movie that I would want to take my kids to. Yeah. And be like, yeah, like, and I, I haven't seen any animated movies this year. I haven't seen Zootopia. I haven't seen Pets. I haven't seen uh, Finding Dory. But I feel like Zootopia seems like a pretty clever idea. But a lot of the other ones leave me with just a feeling of like, it doesn't really get me excited to be like, this is something I want to show my kids. Yeah. And Kubo is an idea that's so, it's very... It's such a good like journey movie, and it reminds me a lot of a Zelda game. Yeah, in that there's this character who's got these these not really he's got these great powers, but he's got a lot of like kind of not shortcomings, but kind of disabilities hampering him a little bit. And then he gets these weird followers, and he has a series of mini boss fights, 
and they're in like land and sea and they're kind of all over the place and he travels and it reminded me a lot of a Zelda game and I remember playing a lot of Zelda stuff when I was younger and that it was always a great way to experience like an adventure story but that had morals to it and that had like lessons about how you're supposed to be with your friends and with your with your emotions kind of Mm -hmm. and I, I I just really liked that this movie did it did a really good job of kind of see I'm having a hard time putting it into words it just was a good story and I think it dealt with really good important things and I like that it was a little dark I like that it was a little scary uh, and that it dealt with some heavy issues because I think that some of the kids movies of our youth dealt with that stuff and just kind of it just kind of happened and we just had to live with it as kids and for better or for worse I think that that was those were kind of good experiences and I know that it seems like a lot of stuff that comes out for kids these days is a little too soft or it's a little too fluffy or it doesn't they deal with like the heartache that a lot of the movies of our youth did. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I think about like Toy Story 3 and I was like, that crushed me mm-hmm. when I was like 24 when that came out <laughs> or something. And and that was a movie that would have come out when we were kids and it would have been like, yeah, all these toys are going to die. <laughs> and and you're like a little kid sitting there like crying. <laughs> and the Kubo kind of had some of those moments where I was like, man, there's some heavy stuff going on in here. And that I, I really dug that. I was like, this is, it's well, night. You can go all the way back to like Bambi. Yeah, well, Bambi is definitely the, 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 the one. Day. I remember Land Before Time. That's got some pretty, yeah, pretty heavy shit. Yeah, and I, man, I watched that when I was like five, four. Mm-hmm. There's a, uh, I know there's more for sure, but they they always had that like kind of dark twinge. Never of darkness story too. has some darkness to it. Too. Oh, yeah, yeah, it does. How did I forget that one? Artax, man. Yep. Well, heavy. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's. that's I, and I was like 24 when I watched that movie <laughs> for the first time too. Really? So, yeah. Oh man. Yeah, imagine being like seven and watching it. It's crazy. <laughs> you know what? Uh, to be honest, I was pr- it probably affected me more now. <laughs> but I'm a little more in touch with emotions. And, and an yeah, person. and in that movie too, the scary stuff in Neverending Story, like the Mogram is yeah. like in the nothing. Oh man, what a horrifying concept <laughs> for a young, developing mind to try to wrap your head around. Yeah, it's great. And those feels like those movies are made by grownups that maybe were a little bit angry about stuff, and they were like, these kids are going to have to deal with this. And now, like a lot of Maybe children's properties, people are studio heads are afraid. Like, I can't, we don't want any parent complaints. They talked so. about that on Alistair's podcast when they were going through the Roald Dahl films. Yeah. When they talked about The Witches or something, like mm-hmm. one of those movies. And they were like, would you take your child to see mm-hmm. this? And he's like, I think any child that, and like a child, if you're going to take a child to this movie, they need to experience some kind of trauma. Yeah, first. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was really funny. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it that is, is true, a good though. example. Like I was... God, the witches freaked me out when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Roald Dahl always kind of freaked me out, but I was always kind of... Well, yeah, yeah. he's he's definitely got that twinge of darkness to him. Well, and James the Giant Peach did. I mean, yep. it, it had yeah. some dark stuff in it. Yeah. Some kind Even of just, Willy Wonka, you're like, are these oh, yeah. kids dying? Just some creepy... <laughs> even if it wasn't like psychologically or emotionally dark, they were just like like thematically and visually yeah. just kind of unsettling stuff that would like stick in your head and give you nightmares. And that was cool. And I, 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 in a multicolored tunnel. Yeah, that's yeah. a great scene. There's a lot, a lot of even Wizard of Oz kind of has some moments like that. Yeah. So it was just like Tim said, it was refreshing. It's a, it's a good, it's a good palate cleanser after the summer we've had. It's nice too because I remember thinking even last night I was like, oh, I would so much rather go see Hell or High Water. Like I, yeah. I do really want to see that as well. But after leaving Kubo, Kubo, like Tim said, it was a movie that I would not have seen otherwise. Not that I wasn't interested, but like my girlfriend was like, she just came with me uh, like out of pity because I hate. The no, I've never been to a movie by myself, and I hate the notion of it. Like I have, I had, and and she was like, "Are you gonna have to go by yourself?" And I was like, "I think so." And she was like, "I'll go with you." And I was like, "Okay." And so then she came, but she really liked it. Like she turned to me at the end, and she was like, her eyes, she was like, "I'm crying," and yeah. I was like, 
Okay. Nicole really liked it too, and I heard Amy, Amy liked, liked it too. quite a bit yeah. too. That's good. Yeah. So. yeah, and she she was definitely pretty choked up. And early on, she's like, I don't. And she's like, What is this movie? I don't even know what this is about. Yeah. I don't think she even knew it was animated at first. Yeah. But she was uh, she was really into it. Uh, that was really. Did cool. you guys stick through the credits? I did mm. not. They well, did you stick through the the first segment of credits? I like left the, during them. Okay. They show you. They, they were cool. Uh, I guess uh, may, I. This is non-spoilery, and I think everybody who goes to see this should stick around at least to the end of that first bit of credits. And I liked the um, Regina the Spectre cover of yeah, while my guitar gently weeps. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but they show the big skeleton, the huge skeleton with the light, mm-hmm. like the they show how they shot some of that stuff. Oh, really? Oh my God! Is oh it man, awesome. I wish I would have. It's around. so rad. The movie took five years to make. Yeah, and five that makes years. a whole lot of sense with. Like, this movie looks like it could be CG. Yeah. Like, there's no part of me that wouldn't be like... If you told me, oh, this is CG, I wouldn't be like, oh, hey. But it's stop... Like, a lot of it is pure stop motion because it took, like, five years to make. And seeing that... I didn't know that. Like, that last little bit of... I was in a different census bracket. (laughs) (laughs) That last little bit showing that this huge machination of a of a creation that they are filming was it like that big no it's it's taller than us oh like really it, it's huge and it's so awesome that's really so cool. if you if you go see this movie definitely stay through the credits that kind of stuff. i i really i wish i would have told you guys to do that because i did see it the day that's before the, the stop motion stuff like that stuff is so fascinating like, yeah because i would never have that kind of pay. i remember when um uh trey stone Trey Parker, Matt, yeah, yeah, yeah uh, the South, South Park guys. I can't remember how their yeah. names go right up. No. <laughs> Let's combine them. Trey Parker, Matt Stone, and they were talking about making Team America. And by the end of it, they're like, I, "We are never going to do anything like this again. <laughs> like, we'd rather work with Hollywood actors than this. <laughs> like, this is like this is the most time consuming, yeah. uh, just annoying thing on the planet. And so, like, that kind of stuff fascinates me. Yeah, like I love watching that. I remember being a kid and seeing the uh, behind the scenes thing on. James and the Giant Peach. Yeah. Maybe it was like an article with some stills, but they were showing like how they would have like the surface of the peach was like, you know, the size of like a model train kind of thing. And each of the characters is like yay big. And they would show like, and there, if there's a scene where there's like, or a shot where there's like all six characters, they were showing the animators like they're taking the, the shot and then they're coming through and they're, you know, yeah, just fine tuning every little thing. And even when they do like wind effects and they have to like press down on the, like the jackets to yeah. make it look like they're blowing and, like Kubo's hair and stuff like that, you look at it and you're just like, oh my God. There's a really cool... The level of, of not only attention to detail, but like skill and, and intuition and instinct to know how to manipulate those things in a way that will make sense. I yeah. mean, it's, it's absolutely insane. And then having to have the continuity between like, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> it's like they talk about, and, and, and today's techniques obviously get way more sophisticated. You talk about the Ray Harryhausen... Yeah, King Kong, and how you can see like thumbprints and shit on it sometimes yeah. from like the animators. And, like that's charming, but it's funny that in today they try they strive for that per- level of seamlessness. Did you guys ever see this little like Coraline animated GIF that kind? Of, it, it must be from like a behind the scenes or something like that. Uh, but basically, if you search Coraline animated GIF on Google and you pick up the first picture, it kind of shows them. It shows the process of what like a basically uh, a uh, high speed. Time lapse. A time lapse of of the puppeteer kind of puppeteering Coraline, and thinking about how this is for maybe like two seconds of footage. <laughs> yeah, they, I read that uh, for Kubo, 
every day I think yielded four point three seconds of footage oh a God. day, probably like a ten hour day of, that's of work. Yeah, that's nuts. But it's awesome. can you imagine after a year of working on it being like, I mean, well, we're <laughs> we're we're a chunk into the, to this movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just absolutely unbelievable. Um, so yeah, I I really liked Kubo quite a bit for a lot of different reasons. I think really all the stuff that I have written down, I think is a little bit, um, is mostly negative actually. (laughs) And some of it I want to talk about in spoilers, but it's a lot of the stuff that you guys have kind of alluded to. Uh, one of the things I do want to see that the characters do feel somewhat one note, except for Kubo to me, but I think that's a bit by design. So I'm, I'm, I'm willing to overlook that. Uh, I really wish this movie would have stuck like dug into the, the Japanese culture a little bit. Because it's it's very much rooted in like Shintoism traditions. Shintoism is the the main religion of Japan, and so kind of uh, like I wish it would have kind of dug into those roots and really expressed them a little bit more to people like us who aren't used to experiencing Japanese culture that much. But it really doesn't do that, and and I guess maybe hats off to it for being able to do that and and bring that story to us. But it does kind of feel like especially with the fact that like George Takei and Carrie Tagawa play like background voices. George Takei's is so obvious and it's really funny. Yeah, and it, they're they're great little roles, but I mean this like for a movie that's like portraying like historical Japanese kind of like ideas and stuff like that. I feel like they would have been able to get some some great Asian actors to really bring this to life a little bit more than like to to really bring you into that world. Uh, a little bit more so i'm I'm a little bit disappointed in that it seems weird that carrie tagawa and george takei are relegated to george takei you know maybe he just wants to come in and do do a little thing but i feel like ken watanabe could have been all over there's so many different even like somewhat mainstream japanese actors that could have been brought to this project and i don't think people like Charlize theron and art parkinson and even matthew mcconaughey, McConaughey are gonna bring asses to seats in this particular instance i don't i don't think that's possible for this kind of movie so <laughs> to kind of like m- try to want to make that happen seem seemed a little bit weird to me um i i will say that i feel as though the uh and we can talk about it more in spoilers but i feel as though the story is a little bit uh not a little bit it's it's pretty predictable but i also want to talk about some of those weird unnecessary stops that the story makes as well. So I think we'll put an end to the non-spoiler discussion here. Um, go check out Kubo and the two strings for sure. Make sure you stick through the credits. Um, I apologize to you guys for not telling you that because I really should have. Um, yeah, but it's a fantastic movie. I think we all enjoyed it and we'll be right back. in spoiler chance. Here we are in spoiler Terry for Kubo and the Two Strings. Uh, I think one of the biggest things that is a disappointment to me for this movie is just the pure um, kind of there the the unimportant MacGuffins of this movie are very unimportant. <laughs> like by the end of the movie, I'm just kind of like, what was that whole journey for? And I get that there's some kind of like. Oh, he doesn't need those things. He just needs his family. But that seems so like 
So it was in slu- you all along. It's sloughing off all of the mythology that the movie tries to build, you know? Right. So I, I don't... That that kind of disappointed me in that sense. It just seemed like... They, yeah, needed, think- they needed him to go on a journey just so that they could kind of show some kind of growth in the end. I don't know. I kept expecting the the whole movie to be a dream. Like, I kept expecting at the end that it would come back around and... He had imagined the whole adventure. Where he wakes up with two eyes and his mom's still alive and that kind of thing, maybe? Uh, maybe or even not. Just no, just like maybe back in like the, where we meet him at the beginning, like in the town and that sort of thing, and still taking care of his mom. I mean, the movie obviously does, it does so many fantastical things, like the way she's kind of a zombie during the day and yeah. then like comes awake. Like, it's never explained. It doesn't really make a lot of sense, but it doesn't really matter. It's like, it's cool. The world feels very fantastical and removed mm-hmm. from our reality. Which it is, so that's fine. But I liked that there were a lot of those weird elements early on. Like, I, I was kind of, I wasn't really into it right off the bat with the movie. I was kind of like, well, here we go. And, like, kind of, I liked the opening, but then I was like, well, we'll see about this. And he gets to the town and he's talking to that lady, and I was kind of like, whatever. And then he starts up with his, his jamming and yeah. bringing things to life. And I was like, that, I that, was like, whoa. That, um, this is awesome. That instrument is called the shamisen, by the way. Well, literally means three strings but, that's cool yeah yeah that that whole sequence was really neat i was like wow this is like full-on magic and like these town people are super into it and i thought that was really cool and i liked that it focused on storytelling as like an important skill and that like the ability to tell a good story and keep people enraptured was really cool and i liked the the signature lines that he had with his like if you can go splink blink now and all that yeah. kind of stuff that got repeated through the movie i was like this is cool like these are weird original lines that are really neat that I've never heard before. And like that was, it added a really cool layer to it. But anyway, I'm sorry. I, I kind of got off track from what you were saying. No. It, so I like, I don't know. Do you, do you guys feel like the, the armor? I, I like the journey that we went on with the armor, but it just feels ultimately very pointless in the end. Well, that's kind of where I was going for with the ending. Like when I was talking about how we're like, how kind of reserved the ending yeah. is because it it feels like it's kind of building to i'm trying to think of a better way to put this but like kubo shredding and like taking yeah. down uh, taking down the bad guy i can't remember its name right now grandpa yeah grandpa the moon king grandpa moon king and like i Ray felt Fines. like and it and it doesn't he he basically plays his guitar and a force field um appears and protects the village yeah and i liked that i thought it was i thought that's a really neat way to get across the themes that i want to get across but that then his journey yeah it felt kind of like okay i can see this why the sword was helpful but the rest of it i liked that the helmet was there all along in the town it was it was the the signal for like darkness is coming like that was i was like yeah that's cool i didn't see that coming and that the again it was kind of zelda-y with the armor like underwater guarded by these things it was like oh there's the hook shot he's got to go get in order to get to the next stage but yeah it was ultimately wasn't really important it got him back to his father's home which they just like were like we got to go there here it is. Yeah. Like here we go. And I was like, well, all right, that's fine. I guess we'll, we'll just skip right ahead and get there like that. The movie kind of lost me a little bit there, and then the transitions were where it kind of lost me because like coming out of the skeleton cave into the water, like the build, the boat building was cool, but a lot of the the argument between mom and dad was very overwritten, and I was kind of like, this is not. Even the actors seem like they don't know what to do with it, and I found myself not paying attention to what they were saying, even though. They were the only ones on screen. I was kind of like, uh, I was like drifting away. That that didn't, and and then that's that leads into the whole thing of like them being his parents. It was kind of, I don't even know what to make of it. It's like, oh, okay. 
It doesn't make any sense, really. Like, it made more sense for the beetle. I was like, if his mom knows, why is she why is she being a bitch to him? Like, the monkey was just kind of a dickhead right off the bat. And I was like, okay, I get it. The monkey's job is to protect him. But it was like a different, it's an entirely different personality. And it just didn't really, I, I, I don't see the, ultimately, I don't, I don't see the point of making those two characters who they were, other than this theme of, like, Sort of reincarnation, the the journey, and then you know, there's another journey after that one, another journey, and the after that solidarity one. of family. And yeah, that and that you thing. probably that you will find each other in each life if you're. Yeah, I get it, but it just wasn't. I would rather the monkey have not known also, or something like that. It was weird that the mom would just be like, "I'm gonna use my magic and bring the monkey charm to life and make myself the monkey, and then, and then be a dick to my kid." And, <laughs> and I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, so to like to harden me, him, or to me, yeah, and that's kind of what it meant. What it, what I thought it meant to me was that it was her just kind of being like, "Hey, I couldn't teach you this in another form, like in in my previous form, it, we were never survived this journey together." But now that she's kind of transported herself into, um, it, it it's just kind of, I don't. It it, it feels like she needed and like I, the fact that i need to come up with an explanation like this to kind of explain it means that it just doesn't feel like it serves that much of a purpose yeah i mean story. it, it kind of worked but it kind of didn't yeah and i i would rather i liked the idea that they were these two guardians that were assigned to him to help usher yeah. him into his into his journey and like i'd rather would have his parents showed up as like force ghosts or something yeah cool. at, at the ending and, when yeah. they yeah yeah that was nice i was like oh cool but like <laughs> matthew mcconaughey was he was great i mean he was very he was very entertaining. He was a good character. But I was, again, it was the same thing. I was like, why isn't this a Japanese actor? Yeah. Especially once they... Because Charlize Theron, I didn't realize it was Charlize Theron. Like, I really didn't know. And I was like, whatever. They got a woman with a voice and it's fine. But Matthew McConaughey is so distinct. <laughs> and he and he goes full on Texan a couple times where I was like, why is a former Japanese samurai now turned to Beatle Matthew McConaughey? <laughs> when at any moment I expect him to be like, I'm going to throw a couple steaks on Kubo and we're going to do this right. <laughs> Like it was just it was weird and Kubo I en- I enjoyed him. Circle. Yeah, exactly. And I I enjoyed his performance. I was kind of like, you know what, whatever, I buy it. And I was having fun with it and he was he was entertaining. And then at the end when it's revealed that he's like his dad, I was even more like, what the fuck? <laughs> Why did you cast Matthew McConaughey? And he did a better job than I thought he would. I was like, yeah. oh, he's actually a pretty capable voice actor. He was pretty good. And uh he for the most part he didn't sound too much like McConaughey, but there were definitely a couple times where I was kind of like, Ooh. yeah. Yeah, it just was a confusing route for the movie to go. I yes. get it. Like I said, I get the theme. I get the idea. It just didn't really 100% come together Yeah, or seem necessary. And I think to me it was a bit – I really enjoyed the moment when Kubo strings up the shamisen with, with his, his mother's with hair. With his two strings. And, and, yeah, yeah. I thought that that was a really cool piece of symbolism of like the – Really awesome. Like the fan, yeah, that's fantastic. But in the end, the speech that Kubo gives, it just kind of felt like uh, there's a moment in Wreck-It Ralph where you get to the message of like Ralph needs to be him because that's what he does. Like he he accepts who he is in the world and and it allows the world to accept him, too. Mm -hmm. And it's so beautifully kind of uh, overlaid in this moment of drama that I feel like this movie just beats it over to your head with Kubo's speech at the end. So I, I wish that it had a little bit more tact to kind of pull it back and and show you those things without telling them to you. But you know, it great. still is great. Yeah, yeah, we're it definitely could been, it could have been better. We're definitely splitting hairs, we're kind of. It's still a very good movie. Yeah. 
picking those nits. I also didn't really love the dragon. I was like, didn't feel like we we needed that. And his grandpa yeah. to morph into. I would have liked more of a battle of. I, I loved the ants. I guess is the thing. His two ants. Oh yeah, they super were sweet. super awesome. Yeah, super creepy. Yep. Very Zelda again. Very Zelda. They reminded me a lot of the I love two. That their mouth didn't move. Yeah, that like was so they cool. Yeah. They had masks yeah. on. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was almost disappointed when the mask broke and there was a moving mouth. I was like, oh, man, I liked the idea that they were just these weird... Faceless. Jury, have you played Ocarina of Time? Yeah. Yeah. Remember the two sisters and the the two witch sisters Uh that are in the one level? Yeah. It's totally who they reminded me of. I was like, this is great. (laughs) Like, the the laughter, and that was Rooney Mara, I guess. She was really good. Yeah. Uh The laughter was really eerie, and the the weapons were cool, and I I would have rather had Kubo fight his grandpa as his grandpa, it would have been a lot more entertaining, I think, and also like been more impactful. But as soon as his grandpa turned into like Gyarados and started flying around, I was kind of <laughs> like, I was like, well, you kind of lost me a little because it just turned. And then when he's like sneaking through the woods looking for Kubo, I was kind of like, I mean, it's kind of scary, and maybe this is for the kids kind of thing. Like a big, big crazy light up dragon would be a little creepier. But I, I they kind of, yeah, I maybe for kids the old the old man the, the kids haven't seen the kung fu where the old man guy beats the hell the out old of the blind man <laughs> yeah so maybe maybe they need that big monster for it but uh fair enough any other thoughts on kubo spoilery stuff i, I should have taken more anything. notes i came so prepared for the lobster <laughs> i didn't take time with kubo to really it, write down my thoughts it happens I did. I did like the ending. I think it was very. They were. They, I was very. I was touched at times, like with with what it was talking about and and all the paying respects to your to your ancestors and the, and your relatives and that your your family will was watching over you or will, will be with you kind of thing. Yeah, and I, I like the I like the theme, of the idea of storytelling and storytellers and that's yeah. true immortality is and uh like yeah like like the Beatles said like your story will live on mm-hmm. through him and then that kind of thing like i like that kind of stuff yeah and um i thought i thought this movie did pretty well with that especially for a kids movie i mean it's pretty yeah, yeah that, that's a cool way to reinforce that idea of legacy of like you know what what you do will be continued will be told and told and told and and, and then and that's important to remember and i think that that's a that that's something that i think about because i have i don't have a lot of like home videos or like a ton of pictures necessarily of when I was a kid. But I, I know my, like my grandparents have, they have a lot of old pictures of like my dad and, uh, and like stuff from when they were kids. And when I was younger, I used to love looking at that stuff because it's this weird window into, cause when you're, your parents are your parents, like they're, they're, they're parents. And then as we get older, I kind of realize, especially as I get older and still don't have any kids, I'm kind of like, well, when my dad was my age, he already had two sons and that kind of thing. And then you start to think of your parents as peers, the older yep. you get. And you start to really remember like, oh, you know, if I met them at the age I am now and the age they were then, like we probably would be friends kind of thing. And it's and, and the older you get, you just start, you have that, that miracle of starting to look at your, your parents and your aunts and uncles and your, and, and other people just that are older than you as the way they, they were once. And, and as more than just parents and like authority figures or, or whatever, however you want to put it. And I'm really glad on on the one hand that we have such insane access to just photos and videos and documentation of of everything we're doing all the time because it's going to be a different world for our kids and the kids of our of our friends that they're going to be able to easily see like what what life was like and i don't in a way it might devalue it a little bit because i'll go oh look dad had five thousand photos in his phone <laughs> yeah over two years and i don't think there's five thousand photos of my dad like yeah. in his life 
And it's in a way, it's almost too much. It's oversaturation. And obviously, there's a whole other discussion here to to have about how it devalues the idea of a good photo. And mm-hmm. like, you know, there's there's 89 people on my Facebook friends list who say they have who have a photography LLC. And I'm like, yeah, okay, you have, you, have an, you have an SLR and and you we've shot two weddings. It's cool, but it's and and, and again, it's one of those things where you don't want to be a dick like I just was about like. <laughs> <laughs> turning turning someone off of a hobby or something that they really love, but you know what I mean. There's just this right. oversaturation of no, content, no. And, it, and it takes away from what makes some of those so special. And that's when you when you look at those few, you know, that one photo album that your parents have from when they were kids, and you look at those, that this is the one picture that got taken, and it's just inherently beautiful because it's the only one there is. Yeah, it's really cool. And I want kind of building off that too is like my. My favorite memories, some of my favorite memories of when I was a kid are my dad and like my uncle and like a couple of their buddies, like sitting as a kid and listening to them bullshit about stories yes. of like yep. things yeah. they did in the past. Uh-huh. And I can bet you most of that stuff was not true. <laughs> <laughs> or but part, that, there was a grain of truth. There in was, there. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it got exaggerated, but that made it so much cooler because like yep. there's a legend built up in your head of what uh-huh. they were doing. And that's something you can only get through like listening to stories and telling stories. And then with a picture, I'll, if I want to look at my phone right now, I can, I can tell you a story about like three pictures yeah. of my phone. And like most of them are just random shots of things I was doing. Um, so, <laughs> so there is screenshots of tweets. There's a lot of those gross Japanese stuff. I found <laughs> on the internet. Um, so, so yeah. Um, so I, I just think, uh, yeah, that's where I was going with that. <laughs> I know no, that, that's that, I, that's an even better point. I I remember so vividly the this story that my dad would always tell, like with my two. It was always like at holidays with my two uncles, and it was so funny in my mind. And it was funny because then my grandma would react to it, and she was just like, "Oh, like I remember that when you three boys were up to this." And it, in your mind, it's this whole different, wonderful experience. And if there was a video of it. It would probably still be funny, but it's not yeah. quite the same as like having to to listen. And that's that's an awesome point. Yeah, it's so awesome. Well, I for one uh, am looking forward to making sure that my teenage children never want anything to do with podcasting when <laughs> I force them to listen to all of these episodes. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, they'll go. Back. Ew, God, this will be <laughs> so uh, lame. Like my father with Rush Limbaugh, I will be. <laughs> With podcasting, anyway. This will be this will be a cool time capsule. Absolutely, no. I like already, even even when I listen to some of the older yeah, stuff we I did, get, I'm like, what I get that right now. I'm like, I listened to the Born Legacy one. I was like, wow, I didn't dislike that movie as much as I thought I did, <laughs> or as much as you do now upon well, further yeah, exactly. rumination. Exactly. So no, Kubo. So Kubo deserves a lot of praise for even sparking this conversation because totally. I mean, the idea of of what your legacy is, I think, is really important, and mm-hmm. uh, you know. Putting, Much putting like the born legacy. No, yeah. <laughs> John legacy. <laughs> How Manny legacy. <laughs> <laughs> just, just for you. <laughs> oh, man, I totally derailed myself now. Yeah. Oh well. Kuba deserves props. Yeah, and I think that it's just a good reminder for people to watch, like people our age or, or a little bit younger than us, and even a little bit older than us, like something like that. That reinforcement of like, hey, remember what you do matters mm-hmm. you know to the future it's not all don't don't go with the other mcconaughey vehicle true detective and think that it all ultimately means nothing <laughs> right. and we're just like space dust just waiting to you know it, it it'll matter and it's uh it is cool that, that that's kind of what the movie's about like learning how to tell those stories and knowing what's what's important yeah. and, and ending you know finding an ending that was another that was a little tiny thing i wish they had gone a little bit more into because early on they set that up as like a big thing like 
how are you going to finish the story? How does the story end? Yeah. You have to finish the story one day, and then it didn't really come around. But I think okay. in a way it came around to me because I was like, oh, the story is ending in front of all the townspeople's eyes. Like, they're all there for the ending. That is true. That was really funny. But, but yeah. We're all fine. Is that you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But all right, feedback at midwestfilmers.com. Please write to us. Let us know what you think of the show or the things that we talk about. We're also at MFN Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Midwestfilmers.com has all previous 192 plus bonus, ep- bonus episodes with full show notes. So you can skip over the spoiler Terry and other things that you don't want to hear. And the support store on MidwestFilmers.com has hoodies, t shirts, beer koozies, and a donate button so you can give us your money and we can make our show and network even better. Next week, uh, Don't Breathe, I think, is the one. Cool. Uh, that we're probably going to do. But that's always subject that does to change. So, uh, so please. I'm looking at that schedule. Yeah. Two weeks from now. Two weeks from now. I, I already know your little, little byline on Facebook is going to be like, should you hold your breath waiting for our <laughs> don't breathe or something like that? Yeah, I do. I do have a lot of fun coming up with those. But still, I think so far my favorite one has to be the Ghostbusters one. <laughs> Which was what? It's true. These Ghostbusters have no dicks. Oh, yeah, that is good. Let's talk about Paul Feig's Ghostbusters. But no, that's always good. That's always good. I, always I think I googled. It. I googled the. Uh, 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 what did I Google? Uh, animal. Animal. Uh, animal idioms is what I googled for the lobster one, which is why it says, "Are are we all eager beavers in professing our love for the lobster? Do we just <laughs> wish? Do we just wish director Yorgos Lanthimos would just clam up?" <laughs> Sometimes I read them and I laugh, and sometimes I read them and I go, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, by the way, uh, Youp did tweet at us and say, oh my God, I was just about to write in that my animal of choice would be a wolf. You know me so well. So I'm glad we know you, Youp. But the wolf. yeah, and as I said earlier in the episode, if you are somehow still listening to this, uh, please let me know if you'd be willing to partake in a little bit of a listener. You. Listener supported episode two hundred. Yeah, we could probably like schedule some, get some Skype. Yeah, try and yeah. yeah. Obviously, there's a up. time discrepancy between us and Youp, but it would be yeah. Something I would be willing work. to wake up at five in the morning for Youp on, or not even like I would stay up until three in the morning for Youp on a Saturday to talk to Youp. So sure. and, I, and you know, if you guys could, that'd be cool. If not, we'll figure something. We'll out. Make it happen for the wife. Yeah. So let us know. That'll be it. Kyle X Y, go watch a movie.